Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that good worship? Come on. Man, there's nothing better to me than being in the presence of God and worship like that because it just feels like all of heaven invades earth. And in the presence of God, we just believe for signs and wonders. Our dream, part of my dream, is being a part of this team, is, is to see the level of signs and wonders and miracles rise. And that you would believe that you are a son and daughter of God, and that God will use you to do the things of the kingdom. That's not about the professionals, even though we had a professional up there leading us today, Pastor Josh. Come on, somebody. I was waiting for you, bro, just to kind of do this, like, just like break out. Wouldn't that have been fun? He did for a moment. You see that for a moment he was doing this? He started to get the hair going. I thought, if I had hair, I would join him right that moment, dude. I'd have been all over that. Right? Would you give me one? I thought, wouldn't it be fun one Sunday if I came in with tats and just a beard and long hair? I thought, hey, Pastor Josh in the flesh right here. We, uh, this past week, we had the privilege of uh, heading to San Diego. How many just hate San Diego? Let me see your hands real quick. Yeah, we hate that place. Saw our kids, saw our grandkids. My son turned 31. And uh, what stood out more than his birthday was the great weather. I'm just saying, it was like ridiculous. We, I was actually a little chilly at one point. Like, I, I feel this is sinful right now. All my friends in, in Phoenix are sweating and we're like, oh, babe, go get my jacket, would you? Didn't have a jacket with me, but if I had one, I might've put it on. Hey, are you guys ready? Let's jump in to some scripture this morning. Turn to Joshua chapter 23. We are going to wrap up a series this morning on taking new territory. I don't know about you, but has anyone sensed some advancement these last few weeks? Maybe in your heart, maybe in the way you see things, maybe even physically, you've seen some things happen that have aligned you in such a way that physically God's moved you forward. Maybe you felt physically ill and God's touched your body. We're taking territory that God's promised. And if you didn't know that, as a son and daughter of God, he's promised us things. His scripture is full of things he's promised for us. We have to contend for it. And we've been fighting for and contending for it. And guess what? Just because we wrap up a series doesn't mean we're going to stop contending for the territory that God's promised. We're excited because we are moving into a new place someday in the near future. We're going to take occupancy of a new facility, and we're grateful for that. But in the midst of that, between now and then, God is continuing to align us with his purposes. I really feel like the Lord had a word this morning for the family. I'll just release this word. It's a very simple thing, but I feel like um, as Kenny was talking about you know, touching you physically, emotionally, spiritually, all these different things. I think the Lord said that he's aligning us right now with his perfect plan and his purposes for us as a congregation. Matter of fact, I felt like these last few months that we've been in this, in this particular building, moving from one part of Scottsdale to here, that God was uniting our hearts in a very special way. You know, as pastors, we enter the summer season and we get a little concerned about attendance. We get a little concerned about finances, all this stuff, right? But I felt like even in the midst of some of those concerns that we have, the Lord has began and is binding us together in such a cool way. I just feel, if you don't feel that, I hope you do, but it feels like he's joining our hearts. He's, he's just taking us deeper together. He's bonding us, fusing us together as family. And it, it, how many know that family's not easy? How many know that, right? Like, like a parent, as a grandparent now, you know, let me just jump into this. So we're, we're talking about Joshua chapter 23 and 24, and I'll explain that in just a moment, but it's really the end of Joshua's life. Like he's at the end of his career. And he's an old sage now, and he's about to release some truth bombs here in 23 and 24 as he gets ready to pass from this life into the eternal. And I started thinking a little bit about my own journey. I'm like, all right, let me think about a few things in my own life, my old self, my young self, my old self. This is dangerous territory. For you, those of you that are a little bit older, you know, it's dangerous to begin to look at what I was like when I was young and what I'm like now. And I hope there's some wisdom in there somewhere, right? 
So I was thinking about a few things, um, you know, old self, new self, old, old man, young man, so to speak. And here's, here's the first thing. Um, even though I wish I could do do-overs, there's no do-overs. Like what's happened in the past is the past. Where I am today is, is because of what happened in my journey. So if I could do some things over, I probably would, but there is no do-overs. I, I wish I would listen. My young self, I was impetuous. I was passionate. I, you know, like, you follow me or get out of the way because I'm, I'm going to plow you over, right? That was my young self. The, the old self looks back and goes, I wish I would have listened a little bit better. I wish I had a little bit more like Dumbo ears and had those puppies on and listened much more intently. I, I, I wish I would have, as my young self, stayed a little closer to the heartbeat of Jesus and, and paid more attention to my, my lack, let me say it this way, closer to the heart of Jesus and not have so much selfish ambition. There's so much ambition when we're young, like, and some of it truly is selfish. Like, I think back on some of the things I embraced and some of the things that I pursued, and I know it wasn't the Father's heart. You know why I know that? I never asked him. I, I just, I did what I thought I was told I should do and or I thought I should do, and I did it without consulting him. Another thought was, um, I wish, and I think older self definitely looks on the younger self and goes, I wish I had spent more time with my kids, my wife, and friends because in the ministry vocational ministry you get consumed with all this and sometimes there's not enough people in your life a Joshua's in this case to say to you younger hey that's really not going to important that, that thing's going to someday when you stand for Jesus that's not going to be a part of your it's just not going to be a part it's like it's not important so as an older leader this morning, I'm going to say to some of you that are younger, listen to me, some of the things you're pursuing right now are not that important. You think they are, but when you get older, you look back and go, that really wasn't that big of a deal in my life. I should have probably listened a little bit more, stayed a little closer to the heart of Jesus, and really stayed around people that could keep me on point. I will say this about my, my young self. I was, I was pretty good at honoring leadership, like whoever my pastor was, I was really good at submitting to him and making sure he knew where my heart was, where I was in my journey. I was never rebellious in that context. It was never like, hey, hey, I don't like what you're doing. We're going to take a bunch of people over here and we're going to go take and start our own church. It's never had that kind of a heart, right? Pastor Josh, you're safe. I just want you to know I honor you. I love you. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about a few things. So we're Joshua chapter 23. Let me set this up. Joshua chapter 23 and Joshua chapter 24. Two last chapters in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 23, I would suggest to you, most scholars or most people I've read would think that Joshua was addressing leadership. And in chapter 24, he was addressing the leaders and all of the tribes, all of the people of Israel. So in chapter 23, I'm going to spend a few moments. Now, how many of you know that just because you don't have a title, you're an influencer? Right? You believe that? Like you think, well, I don't have a title. I can't really influence people. Nonsense. Your life is, is an influence. You either can influence people for good or for bad for the great things or for the not so great things, for kingdom things or non-kingdom things. You are an influencer. And I'm not talking social media. I'm just saying your life matters. And when you're at work, you're in, your jo- you know, you're, you're in the neighborhood, you're, you're walking down the street. Listen, your life, people are watching you. And people watch you a lot more than you realize. So I want to talk for a few moments out of Joshua 23 about leadership lessons for the next gen. Just some principles, three things quickly I think we can extract from chapter, chapter 23. And, and for the sake of time, I'm definitely not going to read all the verses in 23 and 24, and you said amen to that, but we will highlight a few things. Let's jump into this. So verse 1 of chapter 23 and verse 2, there's a, a call that's made by Joshua. And, and it says that, it basically says this, let's read it said, verse 1, a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies. Pause. One quick moment. 
There's probably an estimated about 25 years since the conquest, crossing over, defeating uh, the Jericho, you know, and where we are today, and they've had rest. And Joshua was old and well advanced in years. I would suggest, if I read this correctly, he might have been about 110 years old. How many know that that's old? I may feel 110 someday, but he was an old dude, okay? Joshua summoned, now here it is, Joshua summoned, he called out all Israel, its elders, its heads, its judges, and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. So he brings them all together. Now I'll say it this way. He brought all the influencers of the day. Some with titles, most with titles, if you will. But he brought all the influencers of the day. And here in his late years of influence, he continues his constant mantra. He was very consistent in his life for saying things such as, thus saith the Lord. He was very consistent with calling on people into, well, from one place into a deeper place, if you will. He had summoned them together for the purpose of giving some instruction. Now, he's very strong here in his instruction. I'm going to give you some nuggets in just a second, some leadership principles, if you will, some lessons that we can learn as people of influence. How many, don't respond, how many really would love to influence people for the good of God? I would hope all of us would say that. If we had a, a show of hands, you're the only one not raising your hand. You feel like, oh man, I should probably raise my hand. We peer pressure, right? Oh yeah, I want to influence people for God. But God wants to use every single person in this room for His kingdom and His glory. There's not a person that He's not willing to use. So we're all influencers. So here's here's the thing that we must catch as he's called these people together in his latter years of life. How many understand the covenant was huge? The Mosaic covenant that God made with his children is key to Old Testament lifestyle and really it's key to life today. When we make a covenant with someone in marriage, for example, we say until what? Death do us it's a lifetime commitment. We've made it too easy for people to get out of covenant today in marriage and in life in general. Covenant is hugely important, and we're not going to talk about covenant per se, but I want you to understand what covenant meant. Covenant meant this. It, it was the covenant that was made at Sinai, and in that covenant, both parties in the covenant, God and ancient Israel, make a solemn and binding agreement. God agrees to be the God of the ancient Israelites, and the ancient Israelites agreed to be the obedient worshipers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Does that make sense? There was a covenant made. Now, here in chapter 23, because of the covenant, because there was an agreement made, Joshua is gonna lay out some things here that tells them the importance of their influence and what it's going to require for them to stay true to living the covenant. Is that clear? Before I jump in, okay. Chapter 23. Now, in chapter 23, on three different occasions, Joshua paints the same picture in different ways. He, we find Joshua here articulating his passionate cry to stay the course. He says to them, don't look left, don't look right, stay true, keep your focus on God. Be faithful to God. Faithfulness is huge when it comes to serving God because I mean, you know, God's faithful to you. Right? He's faithful. He will never leave you, know what? Forsake you. He's always there for you. It's so cool. Be faithful. His concern with these people was this, that they would not hear and do like they've always done. And that is they would do as they would please, right? They had a tendency to get out of trouble and then turn right back around and get into trouble again. My son Blake, who turned 31 this past week, when he was a little dude, he would say, I'll do what I want. That's the children of Israel, right? We do what we want until we need God again. Then we want him to come and rescue us. 
So here's some things, three things I want you to write down this morning that I believe God's speaking to you as influencers in culture, in church life, title or no title. He's speaking to you this morning in this regard. The first one is stay the course, be strong and courageous. We talked about this already. In verses three through six, we find that Joshua is speaking and he basically says this, um, verse three, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. Verse five, the Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess the land just as the Lord God promised. Verse six, therefore, be very strong. Say strong. strong. Now add the word very. very. Not just strong. We're talking about very strong. Be very strong to keep. Say to keep. Very strong to keep and do all. Say all. all. That is written in the book of the law of Moses. There's so much here, but let's just stay true to this. In essence, he's saying in verse six, do not look left or right in your pursuit of God. Be strong and courageous when you want to give up and walk away. Do not look at things that will take you off point. Do not be with, check this out. Do not hang with people. Do not be associated with people that could potentially take you off purpose and off point and off call. We have seen it too often in ministry. We've seen it for years. We've seen this alt. We have seen this so often in church life. We've seen so many people that are up in the front, on fire for God, shabba dabba ding dong, speaking in tongues, only to watch them have an, some kind of crisis in life, lost their job, and I'm making fun of that. I'm saying something happened, and for them to go, eh, you know, and then go in a different direction. That's not being strong and courageous. That is not being a person that's determined to stay on point and stay the course. Why is it so difficult for people to stay the course? We as godly influencers, as leaders, must lead with clarity, with determination and tenacity and not be influenced by lukewarm people in the world. There's plenty of them to go around. Why don't we be the influencers of day and not be lukewarm, hot or cold, and take a stand for Jesus? There's no straddling the line. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. And by the way, I'll just give you a footnote. Why was it that when Joshua put a call out that everybody, all the leaders dropped whatever they were doing and went and met with Joshua? I'll tell you why. Because Joshua was a man of character. Joshua was someone that they trusted. And if Joshua said at 100 plus years old, I need to meet with you, elders, whoever it was. I need to be, they dropped everything to go meet with Joshua because they knew he had something important to say. Is that good? Psalm 43, listen to this. Let me back up and say this. So courage and obedience, courage and obedience are what I would call the twin towers here of what Joshua was identifying. He's saying, listen, you've got to be strong and courageous. You've got to stay on point, but you've got to be courageous, but you also have to be obedient to what God tells you to do. He is saying that there are no less important now as we continue to press forward and take what was been promised to us. Josh, as we call him, reminds the soldiers and influencers, you did not do anything of yourselves. Like everything that you got, every victory you won, every computer you own, every car you drive, everything that you have is because of God. You did nothing of yourselves. It was God all along. He fought your battles. He prepared the way. He was the one directing your journeys. What makes you think you had anything to do with it? He's bringing the leaders into alignment. He's saying, hey, hey, hey. Get over here where I need you to be because we've got more work to do. Banner, we've got more work to do. Let's get into alignment with what God is telling us to do. Psalm 43, 3. For not by your own sword did they win the land, nor did their, ar their own arms save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. He's reminding, Joshua's saying, hey, 
I've got you. I'm preparing the way, but you got to stay courageous and you got to stay strong and stay on point. Second thing I want you to hear is this, is covenant with God will guarantee the victory. You stay in covenant with God, you'll see Jesus face to face someday. I think there's gonna be a lot of people surprised when they don't make it to heaven. I'm gonna say that with great sincerity, but with no apology. I think we've been deceived a lot of times in the Western church into believing that if we do certain things, we're gonna make it to heaven. Okay, so you've confessed Christ, good. You call yourself a Christian, good. I don't know where you are with Jesus, only he's the one that can judge that. He's the one that says, come in, you're not welcome. Come in, you're not make, come, right? He's the one. So we'll leave it up to him to be the, 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 the determiner, the one that determines, I'll say it that way, who makes it to heaven. It's not mine to judge. Now we can judge a person by their fruits. We'll go, we won't go there. But I'm just saying it's up to him, would you agree? But if you stay faithful to covenant living, I promise you the victory has already been won for you. See, there was, there was fear, I think, or strong concern that Joshua had about his people. He knew them pretty well. He was concerned that they would be lured into a conformity of the heathen nations. So he tells them this, rather than, check this out. He didn't just tell them, he forbids them. He forbids them. He says, you, you cannot hang with you cannot talk to, you cannot socialize with the ungodly nations. Why? Why would it be so strong? Can you imagine Pastor Josh getting him and saying, I forbid you. No, that's not, that's not who we are. But Joshua, the old sage, has earned their respect and trust to such a degree that he can speak to it because he knows that if there is this, this marriage, if you will, between the Canaanites and all the different ites with the children of Israel, that they're going to lose focus and not keep their focus on the one true God. And that's what happened. So he says, this, I forbid you to hang with them because he knew how easily they could be influenced into beliefs, ungodly behaviors, practices, even worship of foreign gods, which you'll read here in chapter 23 and 24. He reminds them on a number of occasions, remove the foreign gods that are among you. What? How, my mind goes to how can there be any kind of God in the camp when they've seen all the victories that God's brought their way? problem is it's kind of happening today in some ways see what Josh was talking about he's, he's talking about covenant faithfulness being faithful to the covenant and it's described in verse 11 I'll read this for you in 23 verse 11 it says be very careful therefore to love the Lord your God one little verse there be careful to love the Lord your God Man, I'm so tired of hearing on TV people get up and go, ah, I love God. I love Jesus. They're wearing a big old fat cross. And yet you look at their fruit, you look at their life, and really you can judge fairly easily when at the F-bomb is a common you know, word in their vocabulary. And they call themselves believers. We, we have friends that work in Hollywood, and they'll say this. They go, yeah, it's, they call them a Hollywood Christian. I don't know if that's a, ter a term of endearment or not, to be honest. Here's the point. Joshua describes covenant faithfulness as love. The idea is found that if they did not stay clear of the pagan ways of the surrounding nations, they would become an apostate nation. Once again, we find Joshua affirming God's faithfulness in their conquering the land. But his language gets very strong here. Here's a few things he's saying to them here in verses uh, 7 through 13 approximately. He says, God will no longer drive out these ungodly nations if you continue in relationship with them. The Canaanites were, the, were living among them and they would be like a snare and a trap that would entangle them. Whips to lash them, this literally says it in the scripture, and thorns, thorns that fly back into their faces, stabbing their eyes. That sounds encouraging. This is brutal, but it's a fair warning to them as a result of meeting with Yahweh. Joshua's trying to get the influence on point and say, you, you've, you've, if, you, if you've strayed from covenant, you need to get back into alignment. 
And if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Let me say it this way. There's a theme, I think, that he's, he's saying these few verses. He's saying there is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. It's no different today. For or against God. Lukewarm believers will not fare well in the economy of heaven or in the economy of God. They just won't fare well. No one can serve two masters or have two lovers or have equal passions for sin and righteousness. It cannot be done. And God said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Pretty strong language, but you know, in a day where it feels like there is no one, not say no one, that's a strong term, but a lot of people that call themselves Christians, you would never know it by their behavior, their lifestyles, or the people they associate with. Am I right? Smile at me a little bit. I know this is strong. He talked on sin last week. I'm not talking about sin. His was way harder than mine. Man. <laughs> and the third thing here that he speaks to these influencers is this. He says, I'll, I'll put it this way, a, a moral compass and passion to worship the one true God must be your anchors. Where, where's the moral compass that we live for today? Who, what is your compass? If your compass is culture, you are jacked, man. I'm telling you right now. Because culture has no clue what morality looks like. And I'm not talking just sexual morality. I'm just talking about your yes being yes, your no being no, and being a person of virtue, being a person of character, being a person that, that loves purely with no motive, no agenda. The third, the third time here, Josh, this, this wise old leader, restates his point of concern for his family. This reminder is that he's... And again, you know this, but he's speaking to these influencers. He's addressing them. And he strongly says, your moral conduct and your lack of passion for the one true God are the true issues at hand. He saw something in these people. As the, as the influencers go, so do the people. As the church goes, so does a nation. Will we be a people that says, as for me, as Joshua will say in just a moment, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. No weapon fashioned against us is going to prosper. <clears throat> we're not going off point. We're staying true to the one God. Now, let me transition from chapter 23. He's, he's spoken to this gathering. He's given some very specific things. I've just shared with you three Three, what I would call, um, you know, lessons, I guess you could say, on next-gen influence, next-gen leadership. And, and let's be honest, a lot of you do have titles, and our culture requires titles. They want you to have a title, like, who are you? I'm the pastor. Who are you? I'm the executive director of blah, blah, blah. Who are you? And we like titles. So instead of pushing against that, let's just embrace it. But in our embracing the, the title with influence, let us be reminded of what it looks like to be a true influencer for the kingdom of God. And I promise you something, as we take a stand in the days and months and years to come as a family here called Banner, it's gonna require people of integrity, it's gonna require people of covenant, it's gonna require people of moral conduct that is beyond pure, it's, it's kingdom morality, it's, it's worship at the highest level. It's a demonstration that says we don't just come in and do our stuff and cross ourselves. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying we have our own kind of stuff that we do, but it's pure. It's unadulterated. It is just a high-level worship and commitment to the things of the kingdom. Now, let's look at some other things in chapter 4 that's just simply wisdom for followers of Christ for the next generation. Because we live, guys, we, we live from present future. We don't live present past. Your past is no longer, right? Jesus, when you became a believer, he did, wiped all that clean, and you became a new, a new what? Creation, a new creature in Christ. You no longer, the old is gone, the new is before you. So we live, we live present into the future. So as we talk about next gen, we're talking today into our future. Let's jump into this real quickly so we can wrap it up. Once again, different time, different space. Joshua calls all the tribes 
to this place called Shechem. Shechem was a key place, a key city, where pagan worship was center stage prior to Joshua and a little bit during his, his rule or his leadership influence. But it also became a key place for Israel as the location where they would renew their covenant with God. I love how God can take something that is not righteous, unholy, and redeem it. Right? Sometimes the evil one, this blows my mind. Sometimes Christians get annoyed. No, but how can I say this well? If you don't know the source of, well, I'm not going to say it. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that later maybe. I guess what I'm trying to say is this, is that sometimes our language as Christians offend other Christians because they don't understand the context. All things originated from God. The evil one stole the origins of, of creation. He tried to make it his own. He tried to become God. Here's what I'm trying to say is when we talk about certain things in the kingdom, it may seem a little like it's the world, but I promise you it's not the world. It was originated by God and God is an author that can take something that was not righteous and make it righteous, redeem something that was not redeemed and, and redeem it. He took you, who was someone who was in sin, you had no hope, no future, and he says, come, let me, let me bring you into my kingdom. Let me introduce you to my son, Jesus. And you met Jesus, and no longer were you living in sin and bound in sinful ways. Now you have hope in Christ. Now you have a new life. Now you have a, a, a life that's been redeemed by God. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. So in, it, again, he calls him to Shechem, and, and he, he's, he's talking to them about basically covenant. The challenge they faced as the people of God was to remain faithful, again, and true to the one God. A similar uh, narrative in chapter 23. But like so many in, the day, in that day and even today, our lust for things that are temporary rather than eternal leads often to a slow fade away from the goodness of God. When Joshua spoke to the leaders, it was on keeping separated from the influence of the heathen nations and be obedient to the law. Now, it was a little bit of a downer, but here in chapter 24, it's, it's relative to staying focused on God. He's saying, let us keep the covenant in our view. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to review chapter verses 1 through 13. We're not going to read them, but what it is, it's a reviewing of their blessing. In, in verse 2, it says, thus saith the Lord. Joshua said, thus saith the Lord. Listen, 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 he is saying. Thus saith the Lord. I'm going to remind you of all the victories that you've come through since you left bondage and, and being in um, you know, being in uh, slavery in Egypt. I'm going to remind you of all the good things that I have done because verse six says this. He said, I brought you out of slavery. I saved you from Egyptian pursuers. Brought darkness, made the sea come upon them and covered them. I brought you to the land of Amorites. I gave them into your hands. I destroyed your enemy before you. And he continues to verse 13, making statements that says, I did this for you. I did this for you. I did this for you. And in our, our normal life, we might say, well, that's a little selfish, the personal pronoun, I, 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 me, me, me. But it's God speaking. It's the great I am. He says this more than 18 times. He uses the personal pronoun I. He's reminding them of no passive sense. I'm the one that brought you this far. I did this on your behalf. Nothing you did was because of your greatness, but God's grace and power. All things related to their conquest, deliverances, and prosperity were because of God's mercy. It's his mercy we're here this morning. It's his great grace and kindness to us that we can worship the way we're worshiping here today. Is it possible that we too often think our victories, our blessings, our promotions, our great parenting skills, our fame, our houses, our material possessions are all our doing? We might not say it, but maybe there's something under the surface that sometimes we imply that. News for us this morning. Somehow, if we think our ingenuity, our cleverness, or power to overcome obstacles that got us to where we are, Joshua is his godly brilliance is saying, You had nothing to do with it, children of God. 
It's all because of God's love for you. Remember, he goes back to covenant. I made covenant with you. I'll never break my covenant. I will lead you where I promised. Three things I want you to receive this morning as we live present future and we look at the next gen because looking at the next gen means we have to look at our today, right? Here are some nuggets of wisdom I think that we can live present future. Number one, fear God. Verse, verse uh, um, I didn't write it down, but it's here. Find it in a minute. Fear God, fear God and serve him only in sincerity and faithfulness. I believe it should be around verse 14. Yeah, there it is. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Listen to me. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13. We've got a couple more things and we're gonna go. And now Israel, first Deuteronomy 10, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Banner Church, what does the Lord require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his, all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. I think maybe, not being judgmental, but it feels like we've strayed a bit from that. That Deuteronomy statement, that covenant, we strayed a bit. Not, not questioning our faith in God, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the church as a whole. Somehow we've, we've, we've missed the mark at times. And we've loved other things rather than love the Lord our God with all, everything that we have. See, to fear God means to worship him for who he truly is. It's a reverential awe of God. I know, I know. We'll use the word, but it's overused, but it's, it's, it's perfectly fitting for him. He's awesome. He's awesome. We have allowed culture to lessen the power of reverential awe in part because we have mistaken awe for behaviors or traditions of men. Reverence means a certain liturgy or a style of dress and customs and procedures in church administration, but it has less to do with these things than it does understanding the might and the majesty of God. To recognize his goodness and his mercy, that is his holiness is not matched anywhere in the universe. There is no other God before our God. There's not some, another universe somewhere, I don't believe, where there's another God and, and all the things that we have. There's not. He's the creator of all things. His holiness is not matched anywhere in the universe. That he spoke the world into existence. He created you in your mama's womb. He, because of that, he deserves all the praise and all the glory. He's worthy of it all. Joshua indicated in the last part of verse 15 that no matter what they decided, because in verse 14, in addition to that, fearing the Lord, it says, now you need to put away your gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it, if it is the evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then he says these words, but as for me, you, you, go ahead, you guys go ahead and choose who you're going to worship today. Go ahead. But as for you in our house, we're serving the one true God. No, no one else. No one else. You say, well, that's a dumb moment. It's not a dumb moment. Because I promise you something. If we really were judged according to our understanding of how great God is and our knowledge of the goodness of God, I think we would all stand in a place of, what's the word I would say? Loss or... Lack. I'm grateful that mine and Candy's families chose to serve the Lord no matter the circumstances. Good times, hard times, and in all things remain true to God. There was an awe of God, a reverential fear of God that I don't see much of today in families. How many of us be willing to declare that openly and passionately, He is my God, Jesus is my Savior, Holy Spirit is my director and comforter? The second thing I'll give you real quickly, he says in verse 14, we touched on it, flee all idolatry. Flee it. Choose you this day who you're gonna serve. Idol worship, idol worship is in the church today. You say, how can that be? I'm gonna give it to you. Glad you asked, thank you. Here are a few recognized idols in the church today. You don't have to agree. They're not here in this place, but first one's pastor worship. It's huge in America. 
All you have to do is go watch a few YouTube videos. You got, and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying we, we, we stand in awe of the pastor leading this church because of his oratory skills and his, you know, how charismatic he is and how great. And I'm not saying he's, he's bad. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that the people of God flock to the personalities rather to the place where God's presence is manifest and where God's kingdom is priority. Money and materialism. Human philosophies and human ideas over God ideas and kingdom ideas. We, we, listen, we sometimes idolize, there's denominations that idolize this book. It's not to be worshiped. We worship the, the, the person it's written about. He's not contained in this book. He's not relegated to this book. He's God. He's everything. We, we, we were... We idolize worship. Seriously, the worship movement, if we're not careful, can take us places that God never intended for it to go. I love worship. I could be an hour in worship here, no problem. But we should never idolize worship teams or the experiences. I want experiences, God. I want encounters. Every time we come together, I want to be at the altar. I want to, I want to do the stuff. But if I start worshiping and expecting the experiences over the, the creator that I've lost sight of why we're worshiping. In the verse 16 through 18, Joshua says these things, choose you this day. But in verse 16, their response was with cheerful readiness. We agree, we're gonna serve God. And then in verse 19 through 21, Joshua says this, he didn't believe them. He didn't believe them. Did he detect some traces of insincerity? Had he hoped that the people would bring forth their idols for destruction as Jacob's family had done? There, essentially one of my favorite stories in Genesis 35. There was no such response. So Joshua bluntly declares, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Ouch. That's strong. But he picked up something, man. This is Joshua. He's a sage. He knows these people. He wasn't saying that God was not a God of forgiveness. That wasn't what he was saying. He just simply meant that God was not to be there to be worshiped or served lightly. Sometimes we serve him lightly. Like church Sunday light for some people. Like give me my hour, I'm going home. And I don't want to to belong to that. I don't want to be a part of a church that does an hour just because we got to get home. We got to just go home in the heat anyway. So just hang out here in the heat with us. Right? So he says in verse 23 through 24, Joshua speaks again. He directly challenged them to serve as witnesses against themselves if they did not turn aside from God. Their response was, We will witness. We'll be those witnesses. He said, Bring it on. So he spoke a final time and restated to them some strong language. Again, Joshua had the right to speak these things. He said these words. He goes, I'm now then, I'm telling you, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. He heard the pledge with their lips. Now he challenged them to prove their sincerity by their actions and their works. It's not enough to verbally declare your love for God. There has to be action behind your words. We don't get to heaven because of our works or actions, but actions should follow what we declare. I love you, Jesus, and never witness to anyone. I love you, Jesus, but you never give a dollar for the sake of the kingdom. I love you, Jesus, you're the best, but you never are willing to pray for someone that's sick. I love you, Jesus, but you're never willing to lay down your life and help somebody. So, so what's the answer? He says, okay, the third and final nugget of wisdom I'm gonna give to you is this. Renew your covenant with God today. Renew it. Renew your covenant. Renew your covenant with God. I, he reminded us what the covenant was. Now renew your covenant. In verse 25, he makes a covenant with the people and gave them basically what I would call the riverbanks by which to live their lives. He also set up what Pastor Josh spoke a few weeks ago, a stone of remembrance. This stone was hugely important in that it served as a witness against Israel in case of disobedience in their pursuit of the covenant. I'm, I'm glad we don't 
necessarily have these stones of remembrance in this context. Because I wonder how, how, many, how, how it would be for us. Like, would it be a witness against us or for us? Like when we see that, would it remind us of our loyalty to the covenant, our pursuit of the covenant, or would it remind us that we're still intermingling with false gods? I don't know. So in chapter 23, Joshua very clearly articulates three things about how we can better influence the world, stay, stay on point, stay focused. In chapter 24, he gives us three things as well basically six things this morning that we could ponder. But I think the bottom line of both chapters as the end of chapter 24 speaks to his death and burial. But I was asked a question in my life, so what? It's good Bible reading and teaching and so what? What wisdom can we glean from these two books of our, my favorite leader in the Old Testament, Joshua? What can we glean from this? First, I would say, if you are a leader of any kind or you have influence, which we all do, stay the course with God. I beg you this morning, stay the course with God. It doesn't mean it's easy. We've got stories upon story upon story we could tell you about. It'd have been easier just to say no more. Let your life be one of covenant and moral fidelity. Stay true to the one God Almighty. Don't look left or right. Don't get tripped up. Keep your eyes on Jesus as he will always direct your path in the right way second thing I would say as a follower of God let us today determine to not allow other gods to invade our lives you say I don't have other gods you do too it's probably about a 60 inch maybe 80 inch 90 inch in every room in your house you see how can that be an idol because we spend more time in front of that than we do with God we have no problem I'm guilty of we have no problem watching a series 12 episodes, 16 episodes, 20 episodes, four seasons, five seasons, six seasons, and never once opening this Bible up in the middle of all that. I'm speaking to some people right now, I'm speaking to myself. We do have idols, and we serve a jealous God. He won't tolerate it. I promise you, in New Testament, He won't tolerate it. Old Testament, for sure, New Testament. There's still good, there's grace and there's mercy, but there will come a day when he will say, I'm done, go get my kids. And we're gonna spend all of eternity with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna, I don't, I don't wanna be thinking I wanna stay as close to the line as I can without being guilty of sinning. I, I wanna, I don't wanna play the game. I think a lot of us do. We toy with sin. We toy with the world. We toy with things. And the great, what I'm grateful for this morning is Joshua said, choose this day who you'll serve. Every day we have a choice. Today I'm going to serve you, God. I have a thing on my, I have a, not that this matters to you, but I have a little thing called Sappington Coaching. There's a little website. And I have a coaching business, blah, blah, blah. And, um, one of the things that I dreamt about years ago that I've yet to pull the trigger on is to establish a thing I call Carpe Diem Nation. How do you know Carpe Diem is? Seize the day. And I, would, I want to create like one million people in the world that would say, I'm going to live Carpe Diem every day of my life. I'm going to seize an opportunity every day of my life to serve God and to give away my life to someone. Whether that means I'm going to pay it forward at Starbucks, or maybe you call up your, your, your kid's school and say, hey, is there, is one of the kids in my kid's, is there a kid in my, my kid's school that their lunch ticket's not paid, they can't, I want to pay that. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's a, that's a, that's a carpe diem, that's a season in the moment. God is saying, choose you this day whom we will serve. And I think the other thing that he would say to us this morning is grow in your reverential awe of God. Grow in the awesomeness of God. Recognize how great He is. We sing this song, how great 
He's our God. We sing it with great, you know, ah! but I wonder sometimes how much we really, really, truly, deeply mean it. I know I'm guilty. I'm tired. I don't feel like worshiping God. But he knows that and he still loves me anyway. Stand this morning with me, please, as we leave. We stand this morning in the awesomeness of God's goodness, his beauty, his grace, by which he offers us eternal life. Is there anyone here this morning, every head up, every eye looking around? I, I'm just not a fan of every eye closed and every head bowed because if you can do it, I, I know why we do it. But listen, I'm looking for some people that will say yes to Jesus when they know people are looking at them. Because you can't do it in the moment when everybody's for you. How difficult will it be when you leave this building and, and people begin to ask you, hey, you'll follow Christ? You become like Peter? I don't know that dude, no. I saw you hanging out by the fireplace. Nah, it wasn't me. Right? You got something for me? Can you guys lead us to something right now? I don't know what. How great is our God? bow your heads for just a moment. We're going to close. Has there been anything this morning that God has spoken to you about in worship, in the word, that you just need to say to him, God, I give you this. I give you my allegiance. I make a new, I make a fresh covenant with you today that I will not worship anything other than you. I dedicate to living in holiness. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus. Ask him into your life right now. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Cleanse me from violating the law, the covenant. Come into my life and, and make me new. Give me a purpose. Give me a hope. Because that's what we have in Jesus. Amen? If, if you pray that prayer, a simple prayer, let us know this morning before you go. If not, I want you guys to lead us. And this will be the prayer of benediction, the prayer of, of closing. We're going to worship together. And then, can you can come and close it out. Does that sound good? I bless you today in Jesus' name. I love you. I pray his goodness and his grace continue to shine upon you this morning. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.